Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yo, what's up? This is your Alternative Facts podcast for the week. We posted late last week, I know, but this week, promise, we got our shit together. Yeah, I love it when one of your faves announces a new album. That was Bully. That's what they did last week. You just heard this song, Brain Freeze, off their uh, debut album from two years ago. They're putting out a new one, second album on Sub Pop, LP2 on the way. Anyways, my name's Chris Payne. I'm your host. I'm a staff writer at Billboard. We've got some old friends on the show today, two very funny people who you're acquainted with if you've been listening to this podcast for a little while. First one is Billboard editor Jason Lipschutz, who's just back from Pitchfork Festival, and uh, Kevin from uh, Charts, who's just back from the other side of the office, or maybe Ohio, knowing him. He's got updates on Fall Out Boy, Paramore, and a bunch more, but first, this is Jason telling me about his Pitchfork trip out to Chicago last weekend. Here he is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of my favorite festivals just because of kind of everything about it. The lineup, the, I mean, as you know, uh, I mean, just the, the lineup and the setup and, and the record fair and the poster convention and, you know, it, it's just, it's great. It, I, I always love it. Yeah, so for the people listening, just explain why why you're so into Pitchfork Fest and going every year and just what the vibe is like, why it's different from other festivals. Yeah. So, um, first of all, I love Chicago. I, I, it's, it's one of my favorite cities. So that, that's always great to be able to, uh, experience Chicago in the summertime and, and be outside. And I, I just, like, like I said, uh, this, this year you had like tribe called quest headlining. I was like, man, it's so cool seeing them like at an outdoor Chicago concert. Like this is their first show since like, since Fife Dog died and yeah. his first actual performance since that Grammys, the Grammys performance. Yeah. That was Which crazy. Was crazy, yeah. Um so that was that's part of it is Chicago. But for those who are wondering what it's like, um it's it's basically like a medium sized festival and I when I say that, um it's definitely not as big as anything like Lollapalooza or Coachella or Bonnaroo, especially with the lineup. They 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 just don't book quite as big uh headliners. This year's headliners, although, you know, L C D sound system was a great get for them. But like last year's headliners, like one headliner was Beach House and one headliner was FK Twigs. Like it's just much smaller acts than 
That's insane they had Beach House. I mean, I like Beach House a lot, but still thinking about Beach House closing yeah. out a day of a, a whole day of a festival, yeah. that's that's insane to me. But was, hey, I know. Beach House. Well, what, what was weird was that uh, Carly Rae Jepsen played on that day and didn't headline. Yeah. Imagine coming, well, actually, that could be chill if you just like emotionally peek at Carly Rae Jepsen and chill out and watch Beach House. Yeah. But yeah, no, it was, I mean, it was still a great time, but. But it, so it's a medium-sized festival. It 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 has artists that you've heard of, but aren't like, um, aren't like paying an arm and a leg to see. I guess like you're you're not gonna find Coldplay at Pitchfork Fest, uh, probably not at least. But you know, and and the other good thing about it is that they they kind of fill the rest of their lineup. They have three stages, and they they fill the rest of their lineup with with smaller kind of indie approved acts, and most of them are really cool to you know great to see live and you're not really going to see them they might get overshadowed by somebody else at a Coachella or Bonnaroo so this year um you know you had someone like Francis and the Lights have like a huge crowd someone like Mitski um Wiseblood was was amazing that like they played uh she played the main stage uh I mean the uh, and I think Saturday yeah um Angel Olsen had like a huge slot uh, of like a Saturday's uh 6:30 show on the main stage like that that's really cool for her and it's cool that pitchfork exists to give artists like angel olsen a platform that they wouldn't necessarily i mean angel olsen would be playing at like four o'clock on a on a small tent at totally. coachella so it that's kind of cool that they they pump up some of these artists that are you know are really great but don't necessarily have that kind of platform at other platform uh, at other festivals Tell me about Pine Grove, because I know you were there. You were tweeting at me from the Pine Grove set. Oh, yeah. And I heard that set was <laughs> life-changing. Yeah, so people really liked that set. I mean, I wouldn't go as far as saying it was life-changing. Um, I've seen them before. I think maybe that's part of it, and I, maybe some people hadn't. They, they, I mean, they put on a really... Have you ever seen them live? Yeah, I saw them headline on Music Hall Williamsburg oh, cool. a couple months ago. Yeah, they they put on a really tight performance, and, and the cool thing about them is that... Their crowd is always really, really into it. They they have this kind of devoted fan base that just knows every word to every every song, and that's cool to see live. I mean, that's that's kind of part of the appeal, and that's not really anything they can control. But they have that; they've kind of captured that fandom. I mean, you know, I would argue that someone like Mitski is probably better known than Pine Grove at this point. But it's not like Mitski's songs were inspiring these kind of like cult following at pitchfork at least i mean you had you had people at pine grove who were kind of in like i called them like shout circles they would just like there were all like 10 guys in in a cluster just like shouting at each other and like jumping up and down on every chorus <laughs> it was yeah i, I mean, love it i yeah, love it yeah so i think they're i think they're going to be huge um in in a couple years and i think they're i mean just the past six months alone people have fallen in love with with Cardinal. I think it's a great album, and uh, yeah, I mean, they definitely seem to be one of the take. And they were on the side stage; they were on the blue stage, um, so they didn't even play. I, I, it was strange because uh, it, they seemed to uh, Pitchfork seemed to consciously put some of the some bigger acts on the on the blue stage this year. Um, you had Francis and the Lights there, Mitski. Um, American football played on the blue stage, the side stage, and it's a it's a much smaller space, but it was it was packed with people. Yeah, I want to read a little bit about what Stereogum wrote about the Pine Grove set. This was mm-hmm. by Chris Deville. He wrote a re- really 
really fun story. Its, it's title is Pine Grove Sends Pitchfork Fest into an Emotional Frenzy. And he, he goes, kids were moshing to music that could qualify as alt country. Yeah. One person brought their vinyl copy of Cardinal <laughs> into the morass of humanity up front and regularly held it high as if flying a flag to show their allegiance. <laughs> like, fuck yeah, Pine Grove. <laughs> That's really great. I did not. I did not see the vinyl in the crowd. That's really cool, though. Um, by the way, uh, Chris Deville, who lives in in Ohio, I, I have only seen him at at Pitchfork Fest. He's like the nicest guy and one of the best writers out there. So shout out to Chris. Um, yeah, no, I mean, they definitely have kind of captured this really, um, really dedicate like this dedication that you don't necessarily see too much, especially in in rock music you almost see it as like pop fans it's kind of like that where you where you have these kind of diehards but it's it's for like you said like alt country um and it, w- what i like about what and what i like about them and i was saying this during the set is that they really do oscillate between kind of country alternative they have emo there are songs that are a little like have little punk flare-ups like they really are well-rounded as a group and um and just great songwriters. So yeah. Yeah, I'm dropping a little bit of their music. This is Cadmium. Say what it is. It's so impossible. But if I just say what it is, it tends to something right away. When I was Yeah, I've I've slowly, slowly been getting into the you know the gospel of Pine Grove being, <laughs> being converted. I first heard Pine uh, the uh, Cardinal like last year. That was about a year and a half ago when it came out, and I was yeah. like, eh, it could kind of take it or leave it. Yeah, and just for, from so many people whose opinions on music I really respect, saying, mm-hmm. "Oh, this Pine Grove album is awesome. You got to get into it." And slowly but surely, just listening to it over the past few months, seeing them live. Like when the chorus of cadmium kicks in, damn. Yeah, huge. I, I, it, it's funny because, yeah, I saw them last fall for the first time. They opened for I think Kevin Devine. That makes sense. And uh, at Irving Plaza in New York, and you know they didn't have a huge crowd, but the the crowd that was there for them was was fanatical. Um, and they again they put on a great show, but it was it was almost about the crowd more. Uh, I, I saw this, you know, with the Hotelier last year, too, at, at Pitchfork. Yeah, they were like the first, quote, emo band to yeah. get booked at Pitchfork. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was pretty interesting. I mean, I, yeah, I think they'll, it, it, it'll be interesting to see how quickly they return with with new music. Cardinal, I think, is only like eight or nine songs, so they could hopefully pump something out pretty quickly. And uh, I believe they said it. March of next oh, really? year which is very yeah, specific for this far ahead but yeah. March 2018 is when they're expecting a they, new album yeah just as that winter winter ends Pine Grove begins so what about the headliners between Tribe Solange LCD what was the vibe across those three man well I honestly like this may be the first year in my 10 years going to Pitchfork that all three days, the headliners were the the best acts, and they they honestly were like Friday LCD was just. I mean, we've both seen LCD's festival set, but yeah, it's still great. It's still it's still really really powerful and and very up tempo. 
they were awesome. Um, Tribe was really emotional on Saturday, it, but it, not in not in the way of like being mournful. It was just like it was very fiery and passionate and really playful. But at the same time, they they took you know basically every Fife Dog uh, verse they just aired the backing track, and and it honestly was pretty powerful to hear his voice on all these songs instead of just skipping over them or having someone else handle them. Um, and then Solange, Solange honestly was the most surprising in, in terms of how, how effective it was because, you know, seated at the seat of the table is a great album. It's, it's definitely much slower than the true EP and it's definitely more nuanced. And I was wondering how that would come across live, but man, those songs were just spectacular live. And then she also mixed in the true EP and, and losing you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And like locked in closets and, um, it, it was really, it was an amazing set. I mean, I, I was really, I think blown away by her the most. Um, maybe part of that has to do with expectation. Um, just because I, I kind of knew tribe was amazing and maybe my favorite of the three, but I kind of knew what to expect at least a little bit with Solange. Like she had this whole setup with, um, with horns and, this huge uh, backing uh, vocal group. I wouldn't really call it a choir, but um, then she had all this choreography, which she did herself. Hmm. It was, uh, it was nuts. I mean, I, I would, I would really recommend even if you're on the fence about seeing Solange, like go on the side of the fence of seeing <laughs> Solange. I, I, I really was surprised. I, and I say that as someone who like, I think Seat at the Table is a great album. It's not one of my, like, Pitchfork had it as number one of last year. I wouldn't go that far. Um, I think it's great. I don't think it's, like, life-changing, but I really, I, I thought the live set was was even better than the album. So Pitchfork Fest has this reputation of being a big hangout, meet-up spot for music journalists. What was that like? Oh, boy. Um, it was cool. I mean, it really is kind of like... Uh, it's kind of like sleepaway camp for for all these journalists. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it a little bit. It's it, you have all these publications coming out um, and meeting up in Chicago. You have people from L.A., people from New York, people from Chicago, people from elsewhere. Like I said, Chris Deville is from from I think Columbus, Ohio. And um, you know, it it was funny, um, Chris. You and I were talking about it. Like you have these kind of clusters, like all of the rap bloggers kind of uh, move together in like a pack. To go see Jeff Rosenstock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly. Uh, definitely a lot of them at like Kamaya and Isaiah Rashad and, and Vince Staples. Vince, so Vince Staples, by the way, love Vince Staples. He just glares menacingly between <laughs> songs. It's like, I almost felt bad. I was like, Vince, come on, man. Like you, you have a great new album. You're a pitchfork. Everybody loves you. Like, you know, but he was very serious. Um, but Did yeah, you so- tell the rap bloggers how Lil Peep is going to headline Pitchfork <laughs> Fest in 2021? <laughs> no, I was too busy telling him all about uh, Iggy Azalea's digital distortion and how that's going to take over the world. No, um, and then you had... Um, you had uh, uh, all of the like kind of the the indie rot the writers uh, either from Pitchfork or we have friends from Stereogum there and and uh, Paste and and all these places that um, were there really you know that's kind of their demographic like this is their Super Bowl is to check out someone like Wise Blood and and write about them I mean um, yeah our friends at Stereogum writes wrote some awesome stuff about Pine Grove but also about Tribe and Solange and I mean, yeah, this is like the indie 
Indie Music Fest Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, a lot of friends from Pitchfork there, obviously. What's what's cool What's cool about that is, like, this is in the, the same way that, like, we have a great time at Hot 100 Fest because it's Billboard and um, it's, it's kind of our party. Like, this is Pitchfork's party. Like, this is – and it's cool. They, you know, they're all – everybody's kind of hanging out together and – I met a bunch of people from Pitchfork that I didn't know, and we obviously have friends from Pitchfork, which we do know, and um, it was cool. It, it definitely is like, <laughs> it's like if like music Twitter like met up in real life, that's, that's I guess would be the best description, is to just get as much of music Twitter in one place as possible. Who are the most interesting people besides like other writers who you saw in the VIP section? Um, You know... Taylor Bennett, uh, Chance the Rapper's brother, was like everywhere. He was playing like the beanbag toss game for a while and just like hanging out with people and laughing and just generally having a good time. And a lot of people were uh, were pointing and like, oh, that's Chance the Rapper's brother. Um, so that was cool. He he had a he had a bunch of people there. Um, no real, but uh, kind of off topic, but no real like surprise guests this year at all. Huh? Because my whole thing was like, oh, Chance has the yeah. weekend off. He's not playing anything. It's Chicago. He's been out with France in the Lights all summer because they played tons of festivals yeah. together. They've been doing may I have this dance together on stage. I yeah. Was, uh, I was thinking like Joey Perp. They have a song together that they could do together, but I guess none of that happened, huh? Yeah, it was weird because. Chance the Rapper's brother was watching Francis and the Lights from the side of the stage. <laughs> and I was like, I wonder if like his brother is going to join him. But no, he did not. Well, well. Is there anything else you want to touch on? Sounds like you had a good time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wrote about it. I always, uh, um, as a lot of people know, or as a lot of people know, as a, I guess a couple people know, um, I bring my dad to Pitchfork Fest every year. This, So we've gone the six straight years. And uh, he loves it. He this this year, honestly, the the defining characteristic of this year was that he just liked all of the artists that we saw. There wasn't really an artist that he like hated. He usually does. He there's usually at least like two or three artists. He's just like, ooh, I don't know about this. Like, um, I remember when a couple years ago, I think maybe three years ago, we saw Swans, <laughs> and Swans has a very intense live show. Man, he hated them so much. It was it was just like he's like they're just noise, <laughs> a lot of that. Um, but no, as I, I you know I always I always appreciate everybody like the other writers we were talking about. They all like come up to my dad and and like talk to him and are super friendly and he he loves it. So um, yeah, he he had a great time. Cool. So we're good. Shout out your you mentioned like the pitchfork store you worked on shout out anything yeah. else you're working on you want to tell the people about and your social handles yeah so uh if you want a full recap of pitchfork 2017 um just just google like uh top 20 things dad pitchfork fest i think i think it's like it's like um pitchfork fest 2017 the top 20 things my dad loved or some something along those lines he he made a big list this year which was cool um and i'm jason lipshots at jason lipshots on twitter and, uh, yeah, that's all I really got, man. Hell yeah, we're good. Cool. Yeah, go follow Jason. He probably won't follow back. He has a notoriously low follow count. I think it's like 150 people. But he is an excellent dude of the highest order, so don't take it personally if he doesn't follow back. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. 
Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Next segment. Uh, we talked about Haim last week, and we're going to check in on how the album did sales-wise. We talked about the critical side last week. We'll check in with Kevin from Charts about how the Haim album is selling, if it's going to have a big hit song, um, if they're going to be headlining Coachella in two years. I don't know. And uh, we'll check in on a bunch of other big rock artists and some up-and-comers. So here is Kevin Rutherford. <laughs> Okay, so the lead topic on last week's episode was the Heim album, a critical take of it. So what about sales-wise? It seems like it did pretty well for them about what the last album did. Almost like exactly what the last album did in terms of pure sales. Uh, both of them ended up being in the uh, 26,000 range. Um, the last album, its first week, did sell like a little more than this one did, but at the end of the day... You well, that know, was 2013. Exactly, So, yeah. you know... What's the word I'm looking for? Well, yeah, yeah. As pure sales, like album sales, have, have continued to decrease. Yeah, time is is arguably bigger than they were back then. Um, so the fact that they were able to basically equal what they did, like you know, that time, um, they did it's well, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. S- scaled across four years time exactly proportions they did pretty well yeah and and then once you add because back when they put out uh, the last album we didn't use you know equivalent album units yet in the billboard 200 we do that now so once you add that you get like the thirty-two thousand range which is pretty good like if you're getting like six thousand extra from like sales and streams for like a kind of like an alt act that's that's not terrible i don't think it's terrible you know because alt isn't necessarily the type of genre that's streamed a whole heck of a lot um comparatively so i feel like it's a good number all in all are, yeah are any of the singles starting to gain traction so once you back is uh is on one um airplay chart right now it's on adult alternative songs triple a um it is i think this is the fourth week it's been on there uh, it's uh, currently number 30 it peaked last week at number 27 um so it dropped a little bit this week, but there's also a lot of songs on their way up there kind of surpassing it because it's not like necessarily that Haim is not like that AAA artist that like, you know, you hear and you're like automatically like, well, this is obviously going to go very big immediately. Um, it takes a little bit more time to kind of work it. So it's it makes sense that they're going to get passed by someone like George Ezra, who is just like tailor made, I think, for AAA. Um, so it's doing well so far. Uh, alternative stations are playing it sometimes, uh, not as much to make it onto a chart, but it's, uh, it's there. And if it just had like a couple more stations add on, you know, it, it could make that chart too. Um, and the same actually even goes for some of the pop in, uh, adult pop stations, you know, to a lesser extent, but there are some that are kind of playing around with it. So it's, 
It's doing something. I mean, this is Haim was not a radio band the last record. I think Forever might have made like the alt chart for a week or something and then fell off. Um, so the fact that they're able to have a song that has been able to stick around on at least one is not bad. And, uh, you know, it sounds like a radio song, so it's not it's not weird to me to hear it for sure. So what else we got? Wanted to talk about Paramore because we talked about them a lot when <laughs> I was launching this podcast. Yeah. And Hard Times seems like it's just been there and been fine, but hasn't really done anything since we started talking about it two months ago. So yeah. what is the story with that? Is that going to get big or is there another single coming? Well, I, I think it's probably about hit what it's going to hit, um, I which is kind of in that sort of sweet spot of about 11 to 14 on the alternative songs chart, um, which is not bad. And I mean, that's that's actually around, I think, where um, the, the lead single from the last record hit. So it's not bad for Paramore at this point on terms of, in terms of alternative. But uh, yeah, you know, I th- it does kind of feel a little done. It doesn't feel like it's necessarily has like a second wind where it's really going to jump into like the top 10 or even top five. Um, and it seems like pop, it came very, very, very close to making the pop charts. And then just right when it was almost there, it, it, it fell off and has not, and has been kind of fallen since. So I think that's, it seems like that's it with yeah. it. And, uh, and, uh, you, you, I think we both are a little disappointed about this. You know, I, I wanted to see this be a bigger, more bigger summer hit. It still did good. Um, it did, it wasn't great, but it was good. Uh, and as for next single, I I haven't heard anything. Um, I haven't seen anything pop up as like a test on like certain alternative stations. Be like, hey, try this, see what happens. Um, I'd love to see something like Rose Colored Boy, Boy be the next single. I don't know if it will be, but uh, something like that. I don't know. What, what would you like? Well, Told You So was the second song they shared off the album okay. before it came out. Like that was the second music video out. So it would be the logical pick but yeah i could see rose colored boy yeah told you so is is a, is a great pick too yeah either one of those i i, I love pool a lot too um pool's great so i i that's I, like i think that's destined to just always be an album deep cut it probably will be yeah but um any any of those like if they could they could toss that out as like the next single i'd, I'd be happy with it um but at the same time i i just don't necessarily hear that you know, like they, they put out the lead single was now from the last record. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't hear that. Like, and I think we talked about this weeks, you know, back when we last talked about Paramore. I don't hear that. Um, Ain't it fun or um, still into you um, that from like the last record that like is just like kind of waiting the wings. I don't hear that with this record. So I don't feel like there's this like is this more song. of a cohesive, just great yeah. album all the way through. Yeah, the, the one track that towers above everything is, is hard times that I yeah. think was just the one sure shot single. And if that didn't hit, then it's like, eh. yeah, it doesn't seem like there's something else that's going to be like that. Like they have still have in their back pocket to like suddenly send a pop and get like a top 10 yeah. on the hot 100. It doesn't seem like they have that. Um, Paramore's entered a time where the critical praise over one of their albums will vastly outpace the commercial. Yeah, it's it's they finally gotten to that point, and like, it's, and I kind of think that's what they wanted. I don't think they like wanted their album to not sell or not get played on radio that much, but I think they they cared less about this time around and just yeah. wanted to make a quality album for their fans. Yeah, and, and like, I I don't think there's anyone out there who is probably going to like sit here and like complain about critical praise even if the album isn't like you know i mean the album's still selling okay i don't think anybody's gonna come out here and like final like they finally had that album that really was well reviewed about everywhere 
I'm sure they're still pretty happy, all in all. I yeah, mean, they so. almost broke up in the years before this album. Mm-hmm. And I, I yeah. think there was some soul-searching that went on and probably some decisions about what sort of bands they wanted Paramore to be. Mm-hmm. Sure. And uh, if this is it, I mean, I'm I'm not going to complain. I mean, who knows? Maybe the next one will be a little less 80s. Maybe it'll move into the 90s. I don't know. Um, I, I, I love, like, 80s, 80s rock, so I'm, like, cool with it. But, like, I'd also... I'm, I'm curious what their next step is. If this is like 1997, kind of their... big band ska. Oh my gosh, the Paramore. Boss Tones! Get it, get it. I, I I could see them pulling off a version of that. All kidding aside, ah, <laughs> oh, dude, I I I'm, I don't I'm want. I don't know if I I don't want to see you, that. You I'll don't say want that. I don't, okay, I don't want I'm that. kind of into that, but I I, I get it. I, they could wear some fun outfits. Yeah, I like kind of like they, that with this they record. They could yeah. see some good outfits they're, with that. They're into outfits. You know who else is into outfits? And this is a this is a weird segue. I apologize. I'm. Um, Arcade Fire is really into outfits. Yeah, and uh, they are. And you know who has their first number one song in the U.S. ever this week is Arcade Fire on the uh, AAA charts. Adult Alternative. Look we were at talking those about guys. With, uh, Look at those Lime. guys. You know who they had to beat to get it? The National. <laughs> so like 2007 indie rock. Right. Fist it's fight. amazing. It's in- it's incredible. This is the first week where. Um, where Portugal, the man is not number one. It's for I think they were number one on that chart for like eleven weeks, maybe like one week they weren't. I think, and then they went back to it. It's been Portugal, the man, just nonstop on that chart for a very long time. Um, and then I, I was looking about la- middle last week, and they were in national and arcade fire were literally tied for number one. And I'm like, oh man, this is. I think I brought it up in our like. A charts meeting, just like, oh man, there's like a 2007 fist fight going on. Somewhere, here. clap your hands, say yeah. It's just like, what went wrong? What went wrong? <laughs> what happened? Yeah, yeah. Actually, some someone uh, from the from the uh, editorial department asked me for some stats on black kids yesterday, and I was just like, whoa, party traumatic, yeah. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, Arcade Fire ended up pulling it out, so this is their first number one with everything now, um, which is pretty cool. I mean, I think I think they've had at least a a number one in like the Canadian rock side, and I think Billboard technically does have a Canadian rock chart. So I'm not going to say it's their first like totally like number one song on a Billboard chart, but it's the first one that like uses like U.S. data. You know, that wasn't is... just going up against broken social scene yeah, and right. the new pornographers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they are. They are. They are beating the, uh, the U.S. and they're beating the national, which is kind of. Kind of, it's it's oh yeah. Again, it's just kind of crazy that like the national. This is the Nationals' first song on an airplay chart here in the U.S. and it's like number two, and also Alternatives even playing. It's at like thirty six or something like that. You know, it's it's a, it's a weird time. You know, Triple also has like Grizzly Bear on it right now too. You know, it's like what's what's the haps? I don't know. But I uh, mean, I think worth pointing out to the people listening is that. These are by no means the most popular songs of these artists' careers. It's, no. It more has to do with this is the first time that they're really being worked to radio stations. I agree with that. And that's actually something imp- that I- I'm glad you mentioned that because it's actually something important in the story that I wrote about Arcade Fire. Uh, they, the, alter- the adult alternative songs chart started in, at the very, very, very beginning in 1996. So this is still, as far as a lot of the Billboard charts go airplay-wise, it's one of the newer ones. But um, in terms of... Okay, let's let's say you know you have your first song on the chart, and it's that specific week it debuts. There it is, from your first song on the chart, the first week you ever had at number one for any of your songs. Arcade Fire has like the fifth longest span in between. It's like ten years because the first one was Keep the Car Running, and the other bands on that that like are ahead of them are like or, or acts are like the kind of people like that, like a Beck, Pearl Jam, uh, Modest Mouse, and um, who's the other Wilco. And, like, I think it's kind of interesting looking at, like, a group like that where it's, like, especially someone like Wilco, 
where like yeah they've had bigger songs before but maybe this was just like the first time they really were worked hardcore to radio and this is also like you know as these bands i think get older they be like their fans get old and their fans be, I think become more susceptible to listening to triple a radio <laughs> it's like a disease there it, yeah yeah, it, 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 yeah it's just like but i really do think that's kind of become a thing because you do see like again like the national grizzly bear bands that were never on these um these charts that like now are and i think part of that is because the fans are getting older and the, what are the fans i think the fans are listening to more like public radio like triple a mm. that's just a theory i have i don't have like the hard facts to back this up but that's what I look at this, I mean, like, you see all these bands that are doing so much better on this chart, and even on Alternative, than they ever really did even, like, 10 years ago. And I'm like, well, I mean, that kind of, there might be something to that. So, anyway, Arcade Fire, number number one. What about St. Vincent with her new album? Is she getting work to this format? Triple uh, A, once yeah. again, yeah. And uh, it's not on a chart yet. Um, I will say that, you know, with... Um, with the way Billboard Airplay charts work, we have, uh, you know, you have your main chart and it's usually like 30 or 40 positions. And then we send out these extra songs that are kind of right below the chart so that we uh, people in the radio business especially can kind of get an idea of like songs that are new. It's called new and active. And it basically means they're newer songs and they're still on their way up. It's like the top like 10 that's like below that threshold. Mm-hmm. And that's where St. Vincent is right now. So she's she's coming. And um, she's active. She's active. She is new and she is active. And, and I think it's um, it's a good song. I, I don't know how you feel about it. I I, um, I dig it. I don't think I liked it as much as like Birth and Reverse or um, the other really good song, the name I'm blanking of, uh, of, of which I'm blank. What is that song called? Birth and Reverse and a Digital Witness. There it is uh, from the last record. I thought those were like just killer songs. And I think. You know, comparatively, I think she didn't come out of the gate as strong as she did with those two, but it's still a very good song, and uh, I think it's probably going to be her first song that actually makes an airplay chart, if I had to guess. Um, and yeah, one other I wanted to bring up really quick. Uh, so I think I've, I've done this in um, various meetings. Uh, speaking of like bands are maybe a little too hard for alternative right now, but might end up making it. There's a really rad new band out there uh, that's doing really well in our mainstream rock songs chart called Greta Van Fleet. They're a band out of Frankenmuth, Michigan. They're on, um, I think, Lava Republic Records. And uh, these kids are, and I call them kids because they are like all, I don't think anybody's older than 19. I think one mm-hmm. of them's like 17 or something even. Are they from the UP? Uh, no, they're from Frankenmuth, which is like uh-huh. kind of, I, yeah, I wish. <laughs> no, I know exactly where Frankenmuth is. And it's like, you know, kind of like you're leaving Detroit and you're on your way up to the UP, but <laughs> you're still like, you're still probably about halfway up the, the mitten. Um, or so that's where Frankenmuth is. It's a very great little German town with the largest Christmas store in like the country. I love it. I've been there many times, but, um, so that's why I thought it was cool. I'm like, Oh man, this band's from Frankenmuth. That's far out. But yeah, this band is, um, taking it back to the seventies, man. And just, just living in that world. I mean, they are, uh, the lead singer just sounds like Robert Plant singing on like Led Zeppelin three or something. (laughs) And like, but again, he you then you look at him and you're like, it's a, a kid who doesn't look like he would necessarily be singing that kind of music. But and like three of them are brothers, and the fourth one's a family friend, and uh, they have a song called Highway Tune, and that song has already made the top ten at mainstream rock, one of the f- fastest songs to do that by like a new band in a pretty long time, um, and. Alternative, it's slowly coming for that too. The sales on this EP, they only have an EP out right now, and it continues to 
continues to gain, continues to gain. I think this could be, I think this band is a band people are going to be hearing about for a bit. Word. Yeah, I haven't heard them yet, but this sounds like it checks a lot of boxes. It sounds like it could totally catch on. Yeah, absolutely. It's really cool. It's really cool to hear music like this, I think, on the radio that's like new. Um, And uh, yeah, again, I think people are going to continue to be talking about them. I think they're going to, they're kind of already starting to have a moment. And you're seeing that with like slowly but surely like sales, streams, and radio play gaining on them. Uh, they're slowly getting toward the alternative threshold. I'd love to see them make it. Um, but I think it's a cool story. And I, again, really young kids, but making some pretty pretty grown-sounding music. It, it's, they grown. It's, they, they, they grown, though. Yeah, it's uh, some good stuff. And uh, yeah, other than that, you know, just Death from Above 1979, Freeze Me, also a great song. If you haven't listened to it yet out there, check it out. Really rad song. They're back. And uh, I'm always happy. And so, speaking of Canadians, I think they're Canadian, right? Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Okay. Anyway, yeah, that's about, that about does it for right now. But uh, a lot of really good music, I think, right now on these charts. I'm really I'm really stoked. The weather's nice. There's good, some good music out there. I'm I'm pretty, pretty happy. Grab the second half of the summer. There it yeah, is. Yeah, right. There we go. So shout out your Twitter handle. See how people <clears throat> can get in touch with you and shout out any projects you're working on right now. Yeah, so I'm at Surfwax83 on Twitter. And uh, as always, that is a Weezer reference. And Weezer is up to number six on the Alternative Songs chart with their Feels Like Summer song. Continues to just keep on rising. And I think it keeps on, on really pissing off a lot of like hardcore fans i like i look at a weezer message board sometimes they're just like how is this song getting so high and i'm like um (laughs) anyway um yeah that that's uh that's about it though right now i mean like it's 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 the summer and i'm just kind of like kind of wrangling all this new music that's coming out and just kind of trying to see the common threads and trying to see bands like nine inch nails try to exist in the current alternative landscape and because they haven't really since like i think it got even more even poppier than ever before so i think that's really what i'm working on right now is just kind of looking at that and like trying to come up with some like cool things to say about the state of alternative music and the state of adult alternative music with all these bands like we mentioned before like all these like old indie rock bands from the 2000s that are suddenly getting played on the radio who would have thought i don't know that's that's about it All right, so we'll be back next Thursday with a new episode of Hashtag Alternative Facts, all one word if you search for it, which you should. Let's get it in iTunes, subscribe, get it automatically every week. Uh, we'll have some guests, some artists on, definitely some artists in the, the coming weeks. We've It's been a couple weeks since we had like a band or a person from a band on or a solo person, but yeah, more of that coming. Stuff I can't say right now, but it's in the works. So subscribe, get Hashtag Alternative Facts, automatically every week and also while you're there star rating in itunes helps a lot please and thank you uh twitter you can keep up with the show i'm always riffing on things giving out little updates about what's coming my handle is at c pain on a plane or just search chris Payne. i'm the first name that comes up c-h-r-i-s-p-a-y-n-e and uh, yeah as always thanks for listening we'll be back again soon Mom does 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.